Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The truth is, too many black children are living in a Lord of the Flies reality. They live on uninhabited islands with little to no adult supervision. There are too many fatherless homes and way too many baby mamas. Black children are descending into depravity and insanity. Unsupervised children on the uninhabited streets of Philadelphia at three in the morning terrorized an old man. This is a crisis of cultural rot black America has chosen to ignore and or embrace at the behest of the Democratic Party and the Hollywood elite. The imaginary beast is white supremacy. We spend nearly every waking moment paranoid that the Proud Boys or the Patriot Front or Trump supporters are terrorizing black people. We falsely claim that routine police stops could result in any of us being the next George Floyd. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Tuesday, happy day after Monday uh, to you and yours. Uh, fantastic, awesome show uh, planned for you today. Shamika Michelle will be here, as will be uh, Kathy Barnett. You guys remember Kathy Barnett? She was running for Congress uh, out of Pennsylvania up against Dr. Oz. Uh, Kathy uh, with an amazing campaign and kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, we want to make her a part of the uh, fearless army, fearless family. Uh, Going to be very excited to have her today. And of course, our man TJ Moe, as I told you uh, yesterday, is back in studio. Uh, TJ, uh, welcome back. Thanks for being here. I need the uh, extra support. Uh, although, I'm not sure if I need anything today because I got a fire and a fire that I'm about to start that uh, could get so massive that when TJ and Shamika get in here and start fanning these flames, I'm afraid it could get out of control and we could all get torn up. Uh, so uh, let's go ahead and get this party started uh, with this fire starter. Uh, Beelzebub killed James Lambert, a 73-year-old Philadelphia man. Beelzebub is one of the seven princes of hell. In biblical times, Beelzebub was a god worshipped in Ekron. He could fly. Beelzebub means Satan. In popular culture, he's known as Lord of the Flies. The video of seven children stoning and beating James Lambert to death in the streets of Philadelphia reminded me of the iconic 1954 William Golding novel, Lord of the Flies. The book explores the barbaric and cannibalistic descent of a large group of young boys who survive an airplane crash on an uninhabited island. Lord of the Flies features seven main characters. Ralph, Jack, Simon, Piggy, Roger, Sam, 
and Eric. The initial alliance among the boys disintegrates into chaos as they're overtaken with paranoia about an imaginary monster. They call him the Beast. Lord of the Flies is one of the greatest novels ever written. It expertly depicts man's battle with morality and immorality, groupthink and individualism, logic and emotion. Children left unguided and unsupervised descend into wickedness. That's what killed James Lambert. Police in Philadelphia believe seven children are responsible for the death of Lambert. Last week, law enforcement released surveillance video showing four black boys and three black girls stalking Lambert at 3 a.m. A young black girl appears to club Lambert over the head with a pylon street cone. Other kids are accused of hitting him with rocks and kicking him. The video looks like a scene from Lord of the Flies 2.0. Or maybe it's a mashup of Lord of the Flies and The Purge. Unsupervised children on the uninhabited streets of Philadelphia at three in the morning terrorized an old man. This is a crisis of the cultural rot black America has chosen to ignore and or embrace at the behest of the Democratic Party and the Hollywood elite. The imaginary beast is white supremacy. We spend nearly every waking moment paranoid that the Proud Boys or the Patriot Front or Trump supporters are terrorizing black people. We falsely claim that routine police stops could result in any of us being the next George Floyd. Well, I don't use signal and I don't bicker with the police. There's virtually no chance of me being the next George Floyd or Eric Garner or Jacob Blake. That's a paranoid delusion the Democratic Party has asked black people to embrace. I reject it. No woman in my house will ever be the next Breonna Taylor. I'm not a coward. I won't allow a woman to walk to the front door with me if I believe intruders are trying to enter my home. I'll leave her in safety and deal with the problem myself. I choose to live in reality and disavow delusion. The truth is, too many black children are living in a Lord of the Flies reality. They live on uninhabited islands with little to no adult supervision. There are too many fatherless homes and way too many baby mamas. Black children are descending into depravity and insanity. It's not just in Philadelphia. The video out of Minneapolis showing toddlers barefoot and in diapers berating and attacking police is another scene from Lord of the Flies 2.0. Beelzebub has his hooks in our children. Yes, the same goes for too many white children as well. But that's a deflection, a whataboutism. 75% of black children are born to unwed mothers. That's an uninhabited island, a recipe for violence and chaos. White people are not in denial that something is going wrong with their kids. They go on national television and talk about it constantly. They complain about the decline in traditional family structure and all the drugs their kids are using. Take a look from their sergeant in arms, Tucker Carlson. 
Would you sell a gun to that guy? Does he seem like a nutcase? Of course he does. So why didn't anyone raise an alarm? Well, maybe because he didn't stand out. Maybe because there are a lot of young men in America who suddenly look and act a lot like this guy. It's not an attack, it's just true. Like Cremo, they inhabit a solitary fantasy world of social media, porn, and video games. They're high on government-endorsed weed. Smoke some more, it's good for you. They're numbed by the endless psychotropic drugs that are handed out at every school in the country by crackpots posing as counselors. And of course, they're angry. They know that their lives will not be better than their parents. They'll be worse. That's all but guaranteed. They know that, they're not that stupid. And yet the authorities in their lives, mostly women, never stops lecturing them about their so-called privilege. You're male, you're privileged. Imagine that, try to imagine an unhealthier, unhappier life than that. So a lot of young men in America are going nuts. Are you surprised? And by the way, a shockingly large number of them have been prescribed psychotropic drugs by their doctors, SSRIs or antidepressants. And that would include quite a few mass shooters. And keep in mind again, these drugs are meant to prevent crazy behavior. And yet there seems to be a connection. Eric Harris, the Columbine killer, was in both Zoloft and Luvox. A year earlier, a 15-year-old called Kip Kinkle shot his parents and dozens of classmates. He was on Prozac. In 2005, a 16-year-old called Jeff Wiesa killed his grandfather and 10 kids in Minnesota. He was on Prozac too. So was 27-year-old Stephen Kamerzak, who murdered six people at Northern Illinois University. In 2012, you may recall, when 25-year-old James Holmes walked into a movie theater and shot 82 people. He was on Zoloft. The list goes on and on and on and on. It includes the shooter at the Washington Navy Yard. Tucker Carlson and white people, they're not in denial. Something's going wrong with their kids and they're talking about it. They're talking about all the drugs their kids are taking, the depression that their kids are going through. It's driving their kids insane. They're discussing it and talking about it. We, black people, act like improving white people will fix what's wrong in Philadelphia, Chicago, Baltimore, Minneapolis, and every other city with a large black population. We act like there's no benefit to improving us. We've swallowed the ideology of the Democratic Party. It's the ideology, the, the ideology of Beelzebub. Yesterday, I interviewed uh, Jerome Davison a former running back for the Oakland Raiders turned minister, turned political hopeful in Arizona. Davison made news last week when he released a provocative commercial that blasted Democrats as hooded Ku Klux Klansmen. Monday, during our interview, Davison amplified his attack on Democrats. Take a listen. I think we've got to stand up and fight against these people. The Democrats, because I believe that the evil one, the wicked one, Satan, has landed in their hearts, and we got to fight before they take away our freedoms. I'm sure to some of you that sounds hyperbolic and needlessly partisan. A Republican running for Congress argued that the political party of his opponents is possessed by demonic forces. It's not crazy, not to my ears, not if you understand black children are living in a Lord of the Flies reality. I have friends who are lifelong Democrats. Most members of my family, the people I love the most, are lifelong Democrats, Biden voters, Clinton lovers, Obama worshipers. None of them seem willing to deal with the unhealthy reality of too many black children living 
in a Lord of the Flies situation. You can't raise stable kids in unstable, unsupervised communities. Pronouns won't fix it. Critical race theory won't fix it. Villages can't raise kids. It takes two parents, a man and a woman. It takes a commitment to preaching and practicing morality. It takes biblical values. Lord of the Flies is a novel about what happens to young kids when they're separated from God's natural order and family structure. Beelzebub and the seven princes of hell take control. It's foolish and unproductive to blame the beast, white supremacy, for our collective disobedience to God. That disobedience cost James Lambert his life. That disobedience has all of our kids living in hell right here in America. And yes, it goes beyond black kids, but it is most acute with black kids. I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable, but just like how white people are dealing with what's going on with their kids, we have to deal with what's going on with ours. Anybody that can watch that video of Philadelphia and see seven kids stalking a 73-year-old man at three in the morning and not go, hey, what is going on here? But we don't even have to ask that question. We know exactly what's going on here. These kids are unsupervised. They have some public defender because two of these kids, a 10 and a 14 year old brother, turned themselves into police yesterday. And their public defender or lawyer or whoever came out with some statement, and look, I'm sure well-intentioned, I don't want even want to demonize the, the lawyer, but it was just a stupid statement. These are normal kids. Don't you remember sneaking out of the house when you were a kid? 10 years old at 3 a.m.? I remember sneaking out at 6 p.m. I remember not being home when the street lights came on, but 3 a.m.? Who goes out in the streets at 3 a.m.? I don't. I, even as an adult, I tried to be home before 3 a.m. I we just make excuses because we don't want to deal with the truth. We have kids living like it's Lord of the Flies. If you haven't read the book, maybe you've seen the movie. Watch the movie. It, it, it's again, this was back during a time. The, the book isn't overtly religious, but it is religious. That's why he called it Lord of the Flies. He took the name straight out of the Bible. Beelzebub. He could fly. He was a demon, a devil that could fly. That's why he called it Lord of the Flies. And he's basically saying these kids got dropped off, Un-got, and as soon, at the very, I'm gonna give away the ending for the, again, the book came out in 1954, there are no spoiler alerts for something this old. But when help finally showed up, when adults finally showed up, the kids immediately snapped out of it and started acting like little kids rather than little barbarians trying to kill each other. The, 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 the book, the title, the entire narrative, 
was a statement about how bad kids need adult supervision. If left to their own devices, they will turn barbaric, cannibalistic. If not properly guided, discipled, shepherded, kids will run wild. And what you will have are little kids in diapers fighting and cussing at the police. What you will have is little kids 10 to 15 to 16 years old chasing down adults and killing him or them in the streets. Now, David Allen Greer, all these other celebrities can talk about uh, the Patriot Front is the new KKK. Show me the Patriot Front on film killing anybody black. Show me the Proud Boys killing anybody black. And I hear you right now. What about Ahmaud Arbery? Let me tell you the difference between Ahmaud Arbery and James Lambert. People actually cared about Ahmaud Arbery getting killed. You don't, these same people that were all upset about Ahmaud Arbery getting killed, getting shot by some overzealous wannabe cops, they have nothing to say about James Lambert. This man is caught, he, his attackers caught on tape destroyed by little kids. It's one of the most sickening things you could ever see. And you won't hear Al Sharpton, Ben Crump, anybody say a word about James Lambert. It won't be touched. We can watch little kids barefoot in diapers arguing with the police, bickering with them like their baby Eric Garner or wannabe George Floyd's, and we can sit there, oh, the, the police deserve it. They've acted so poorly. This is the way kids should respond to them. Are you kidding me? You're part of that demonic cult. You've bought that mindset that leads to your destruction. And that's why Jerome Davison is calling you satanic because you're in a little political war and, and you've adopted all these political values and morals and you've abandoned all of your biblical worldview, all of your biblical values because you're in pursuit of political power. That's demonic. It will not help. All of these Leftist things that you've bought into and to, oh, a village can raise a kid and a welfare check can replace a father. And we need to disrupt the nuclear family and we need to embrace abortion. And all embracing abortion is, is a rejection of responsibility. And so once you start rejecting responsibility, once you embrace the mindset of, you know what? I don't want the responsibility that goes along with having sex, so I want to keep abortion safe, viable, and available on every street corner. Once you adopt that mentality, 
It doesn't magically go away just because you have a kid. You can abort a child while they're living by allowing them out into the streets at 3 a.m. to be harmed, to go down a path of destruction. You can abort a kid by letting him on the street in diapers with no clothes and let him go bicker and fight with the cops and let other older kids and adults spur your kids on. You're killing your kid. This is demonic. And so Jerome Davison yesterday, I'm sure pity, but oh, Whitlock, let that dude on. And he's calling Democrats satanic and demonic. What else would you call them? What else would you call a group of people who have promoted this lifestyle that is being promoted to black people and everybody else? We're just the lab rats. We're just First in, they're promoting this lifestyle, this village that can raise your kids, this uh, abortion mentality, pro-abortion mentality that if you want to avoid responsibility, just crush your kid in the womb. We're buying all of this stuff. Uh, Let's bring uh, Shamika Michelle and TJ Moe uh, into the conversation. Uh, I, yesterday, uh, Shamika, we played the video of the kids in Minneapolis. Today, obviously, we're talking about the kids in Philadelphia. And I, I'm just, kids out on the streets at 3 a.m. chasing down a 73-year-old man to harm him, it's, and again, I don't want to turn it into a, a silly, mindless debate, but, but I mean, both of these videos, the Minneapolis kids arguing with the cops, the Philly kids beating this man, it, it's all a reflection of a mentality and a culture that has abandoned its kids, and, and I'm, I'm wondering how do we shake people out of this denial and, and this belief that white supremacy is the number one threat to black people when I think it's the culture that we have embraced, that's the number one threat to black people. Uh, Jason, I think this is a saying that both, in, both you and I are familiar with, but uh, I will say as a whole, the black community has more excuses than going to jail. That's exactly why we have so many black men and women dead or in prison. We refuse to address issues that are really hurting our culture and hurting our community. And I'll say this until I, I don't see it as a problem anymore. We have no problem disparaging black men, but when it comes to correction with black women or commenting about black women, anything that's deemed to be negative, all hell breaks loose. And of course, single parent households is not just a, a, a women's issue, but I think part of the reason why we won't address it is because we will then take it personally. We'll feel like if we say something about single parent households, that that says something about our single mother or 
more about some single mother that we hold dear to our heart. So instead of us facing the issue and saying how bad it is, we act like there's no issue at all, but we can see it. When I was a little girl, I would always say my to my mom, happy Father's Day. I would say my mom is the mother and the father. As a child, it was an effort for me to really esteem her, to really say thank you for everything that she was doing, to make her feel good, to not want her to feel bad because she didn't have a husband or I didn't have a father. But as an adult, I realized that I can esteem my mother and praise her for the good that she was doing while also acknowledging that I didn't have a father. And I think that that's where we're, we're failing. We, we can acknowledge and praise women and say, hey, thank you for what you did in spite of However, this is an issue. It was an issue that I didn't have a father. Of course, I'll never know what those things are. But when I look at my own children, you know, just uh, this weekend, we were having a conversation, me and their dad. They got upset because they heard him call someone else pretty girl. That's a, a term that he uses for them. And he's the first man to just constantly say to them, hey, pretty girl, oh, you got this pretty girl. You can do this pretty girl. And that's something if you don't have a father, you're missing that as, as a female. So I know that I missed that growing up. But I can acknowledge that I didn't have that without saying, you know, it, it doesn't equate to my mom being bad. And I think that's one of the things that we're failing to do in the black community. When I became a parent, I realized that I had to learn how to balance both esteeming my children and correcting my children. You have to have both. And what we are failing to do as parents, we're failing to esteem our children and tell them that they can do this and they can be whatever they wanna be while also correcting them. Too many parents wanna be friends with their kids. And the Bible says, uh, spare the rod, hateth the child. A lot of parents think that means, oh, you're just supposed to pick up something and beat your child to a bloody pulp. We talked about this when, you know, we came together for our prayer a couple weeks ago. The rod is just not to beat your child. The rod, when it came to the shepherd, was to fend off the wild animals from the defenseless sheep. How are we using the rod to defend our children? When we look at the alphabet mafia and the agenda that they are pushing, are we using the rod to defend our children? Are we defending our children against the Democrats and this, this ideology that they're pushing that, oh, the white man is gonna hurt us, the white man, the white man, the white man. We should be defending that off. We should be defending our children children against them having um, us think that they're incompetent and they can't learn. So we got to get rid of certain programs in school because our children aren't succeeding. And so we should just do away with this. We are not using that rod to defend 
our children. So we have failed across the board, Jason, the black community as parents. You all talked yesterday how the black church is failing and we have to look this stuff head on and stop turning a blind eye because we're afraid to hurt somebody's feelings. If we're gonna actually make a change, somebody's feelings have to get hurt. It's time for us to snatch the band-aids off this wound. And if everybody can see that these wounds are oozing pus and blood, but we wanna pretend like if we don't say anything, nobody can smell the pus. Nobody can see the blood that is oozing from the black community. We can't continue to turn a blind eye. If we do what we see or what we saw in Philadelphia, what we saw from those little babies on the streets of Minneapolis or St. Paul, this is going to only get worse. We have to stop lying and we got to start within ourselves. We can't stop just turn. We can't keep turning a blind eye to this, Jason. It's so obvious. Mm. I'm sorry. This is you just proved or demonstrated everything I love about this show in terms of we, we talked about the rod and the staff and in, in a prayer meeting, and and now for you to bring it home with a real life analogy uh, of just because how many of us, myself included, have heard that Bible, either spare the rod, spoil the child, and we do equate it instantly to you got to spank your kids, and and not and Anthony giving us the explanation about how the rod was actually used in shepherding the lambs and all that, and and. It can be used as like, hey, let's use this rod to shield our kids from these demonic evil forces. A lot of it is this cultural rod of hip hop music, gangster rap music. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is what you just talked about, the political ideology of the left and how it preaches the, the family is not as important. Uh, government uh, can come in and take care of you better than mom and dad. Uh, again, that rod can be used when you spare that rod and you don't put up proper boundaries for your kids. Uh, sparing that rod will eventually have your kids potentially out in the streets at three in the morning involved in something that will change the course of their life. They've ended one man's life and, and or have your kids out here in diapers and with a, with a mindset that is going to lead them to failure. TJ, I want to bring you into the conversation by I make the assertion, uh, you know, in my fire starter that, hey, look, white people are not in denial that their kids are strained from the course as well. And it's discussed among what I don't think I see it being discussed among white people like, hey, there's something wrong with our kids. We can talk about it. Where Am I right in thinking that? Is that a conversation you as a parent are engaged in with other parents and your friends? Yes. <clears throat> However, I run in the circles that care. Um, you played Tucker, and Tucker is the guy that cares. Tucker's not afraid of anything, as we all know. That's why he's got three million plus viewers a night. Even if white people are talking about it, and I think you're giving white people a little bit too much credit. I, I think the vast majority of white people are not talking about it. Um, even if they are talking about it, that's step one, right? When you go to rehab, step one is, is to admit you got a problem. We're maybe on step one. What have we done about it? 
What have we done about anything? Every, all the white kids in school are addicted to Adderall and Ritalin and all these. We're all on all the drugs Tucker was talking about. Our single motherhood rate from 1960 to today has 5X'd. It was like 5% back then, it's 25% today. Um, we talk about what is right and wrong. We're doing nothing about it. And there are a few parents that are showing up to, to Loudoun County, Virginia, and making sure CRT is not taught in schools. And they're trying to, as you talked about, uh, put up guardrails for their kids to not be taught some things. But some of this is an outgrowth of CRT. It's a bunch of black kids out there. I did, I did, thinking that the white people are the ones... The, the, do you understand the basics of CRT is that every institution in America is set up with white supremacy and that those institutions have to be torn down and the white people are keeping the institutions there and therefore the white people are the actual oppressors through these institutions. Point being, and we've seen, we've seen all of it, point being is that we're teaching kids no respect, we're teaching them they're oppressed, we're teaching them that the older generations did nothing about it at any point in time and they, they've allowed it. So uh, the other thing that you brought up at the beginning, you have, they said, well, you never snuck out of your house. What evidence do we have that these kids snuck out? What evidence do we have that these kids at any point in time were looked after and told, hey, it's nine o'clock, let's go to bed. Hey, let's get you a snack, let's put you in bed, I'll be here. And also, who's watching out to make sure? I snuck out of the house one time ever and I got caught. It's like, you should be caught. It's, it should be hard to sneak back into the house. That, that's a lawyer talking because again, who, who knows if these kids even are in touch with their parents. I mean, there are kids that young that are living amongst themselves mm. with other kids in abandoned buildings. The, the point you just made about white people and you know, there's a handful of them that care and are talking about it, I, I think the other side of that argument, the ones that aren't, are probably so controlled by racial idolatry mm that they actually, it's, it's like me uh, looking at uh, someone fatter than me and saying, <laughs> well, I'm not as fat as that guy, so I don't have a problem. And so I think some people, perhaps controlled by their racial idolatry, go, well, our problems aren't so bad. Look how bad things are for black people. 75% of their kids are, you know, it's only 25% of our kids are born to unwed mothers. And so that can, racial idolatry can fool you. And again, that's why we should be, and again, that's contradicting for me to be saying because of the fire starter and everything I've said here, but it's, it's, if we all started looking at ourselves as Christians first, we, we know we have a collective problem yes. rather than an individual problem designated by race, but, but I will give the left and the Democrats a lot of credit, they have segregated us along racial lines. They designed a culture and control a culture specifically designated for black people that is hostile to a biblical worldview. They now, if you call someone an evangelical, people assume you're talking about a white person. Uh, if you call someone a Christian, 
They demonize that to the point where these little right wing Christians or whatever. And basically they're so they're, they're basically telling black people, if you identify as a Christian, that's not black. Hmm. Black people identify as LGBTQ. Black people identify as gangsters, as Crips and Bloods, as Democrats, as, as Joe Biden says. But but we're we're going to. If we don't, I, I'm, Shamika, I'll let you get the final word here and react to TJ and I, but if, if we don't course correct uh, and come out of this denial, because again, I talk to my family members, uh, friends, uh, and you know, look, I live in a zip code that is, I think, 39% African American. Uh, and, and I'm just, we know what's out there and what is really hurting us. And, and again, I, you know, where I live, it's high rent area, but, uh, we've had some violence that, uh, has impacted my area and it's associated with a nightclub that caters to black people. And, and so if we don't come out of this denial that somehow we've been, we've radicalized our kids, we've abandoned them, we haven't properly developed them, and they're a danger to us. We're afraid of our kids. We're not afraid of the police. If we don't come up out of this denial, there, there's no end in sight to the chaos and violence that's impacting our community. You said, Jason, that abortion, they're pushing this because they want to escape responsibility and accountability. I agree. I cannot for the life of me understand why aren't we talking, you know, instead of running in the streets saying, oh, women's rights are being snatched. Why aren't we talking to women about being responsible? Why aren't we talking to women saying, hey, you still have a choice and you have the, you know, you need to be responsible. Men and women are like. I don't understand that. Even when it comes to these children, Jason, why would an attorney jump up on screen and just start making excuses for them? As a community, we should be dragging these parents out of the home and saying, hey, we want answers. Why were these kids allowed to be outside at 3 a.m.? Oh, mama's not there. Daddy's not there. What about grandma? Grandma, give us an, an answer. Auntie, give us an answer. When they talk about, oh, Oh, didn't you used to sneak out the house? No, never. I knew better. Jason, when I was a, a teenager, a young person, my grandmother, when she went to bed, everybody went to bed. We were so afraid to leave our room, Jason. I would sneak and be on the phone late at night. And if I had to use the bathroom, I would urinate in an old uh, jar of jail that I had, and I would just empty it in the morning. There was no coming out of my room. There certainly wasn't a, a sneaking out. We don't have, the parents now don't have authority over these children. Why? Somebody should be bringing them out, pulling them, bringing them to the carpet. Let's have come to Jesus meetings with these parents and say, what's going on? How was your child able to be outside at that time? Why is this little kid in the street in a diaper cursing out the police? We need to start holding parents accountable 
So I think that's what we need to do as a community. We need to start going to the to the parent, sitting down. What's up? That's what we have to start doing. And we need to stop pretending like we, we don't see it and it's not an issue and making excuses because it's not fair to say we have a school to prison pipeline and we're not actually stepping in to do something. It's not the school's responsibility. It's not even the church's responsibility. Like you said, the village can't raise the children. It is the parents' responsibility. We need to start getting to these parents ASAP and we need to start teaching our children responsibility and accountability so they won't even have children before they're ready. A lot of these kids, we've, we've created so many band-aid babies. We think these babies can just hold relationships together, hold us in the system so we can get a bigger welfare check, not understanding that just like regular band-aids, the adhesive eventually wears off. So we need to start teaching responsibility and accountability within our own race and culture. Shamika, I gotta let you go. I gotta take care of some business. I gotta get to Kathy Barnett. Thank you so much. Uh, what if you could have your health care put back in your own hands instead of being sold to the highest bidder? Politicians, big pharma, and health insurance companies make enormous profits at the expense of your health. That's why Crowd Health works. It's not health insurance. You can see any doctor you want, pay the first $500, and submit any bills from there. The Crowd Health community takes care of the rest. No doctor networks, no huge premiums or deductibles. Best of all, no surprises. This is a game changer in the community healthcare industry. You just pay one low monthly total. It's less than $200 a month for most people. Stop paying health insurance companies your hard earned dollars. Go to joincrowdhealth.com now and experience freedom from health insurance. Right now, you can get your first six months for just $99 per month. That's almost 50% off the normal price and a lot less than a high deductible health care plan. Just go to crowdhealth.com and use the promo code fearless at sign up. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code fearless. Crowd Health is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions may apply. Kathy Barnett, next. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, welcome back. Welcome back to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. All right, uh, I've been dying to meet uh, this next guest, Kathy Barnett. Uh, she was a Republican candidate for the Senate in Pennsylvania. Uh, Kathy, I, I think I've told her this, and I've told maybe I've told you guys here on the show. Uh, she's the first political campaign uh, that I, I donated to. Uh, Kathy, I don't know if you know, I've never voted uh, and have been reluctant to get involved with politics, but your story, uh, your campaign ads, your family, uh, your unique upbringing, you and your mom, 
it, it just, we need you so bad. And <laughs> it just, it hit me in a way that I was like, I gotta donate. And so I, I jumped online and supported your campaign and I've wanted to meet you. And so I just wanna uh, welcome you uh, to the show and, and thank you for all, all that you did. I know you didn't get the nomination, uh, but let's start here. What, what's next for Kathy Barnett? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on and thank you so much for donating, donating to our campaign. We needed all of it. We were on a shoestring of a budget and I earnestly believe that if people knew they had a better option, they would jump in with both feet and so many people across Pennsylvania and the nation uh, did just that. So I'm very grateful. I have no regrets of uh, what we did. I did everything that I knew to do. If I didn't do something, it was because I had no idea about it, but we did everything. We ran an amazing race. And because of those last five days of the race, they have gifted me with a pretty significant name ID right now. And so at this point, my team and I, we are just looking at all the opportunities, uh, trying to be very selective and very thoughtful in pushing you know, picking those particular projects that allows us to continue to push traditional American values. I believe that's the vacuum in our nation. And I believe it's very intentional where we find ourselves. You name an issue in our country right now, it is on fire. And I believe it is not by osmosis. I believe it, there's a, a tremendous amount of intentionality in the dismantling and unraveling of our nation right now. Kathy. From the outside, it looks like had Donald Trump gotten behind you, you would have gotten the nomination. He supported Dr. Oz. Uh, it baffles many of us. And so I'm just wondering, <laughs> have you had a chance uh, to connect with pres former President Trump or anybody from his team? And perhaps the next time you jump into the political waters, do you think you may get the support of President Trump? Um, I have reached out. Um, I've talked to people in his orbit. I have not spoken with the president or uh, former president uh, Trump. Um, and I don't know. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people are asking, are you going to do this again? It, I, I kind of feel like a woman who just gave birth to a nine pound baby. It's like, I don't know. If I'm going to do this again. Um, but I do have two kids. So at some point, I decided to, you know, to try once more. Um, so I have no idea. What I do know is that our nation is in trouble. I mean, it is not just something that I said randomly on the campaign trail. Name an issue. We are on fire. Every Friday, I go to my local uh, grocery store, and I do not live in an area where, where, it, where there is a food insecurities uh, at all. I live in the second wealthiest county in the state of Pennsylvania. And every Friday, I go to my local grocery store. I take photos of the, of the, um, of the shelves in the baby food aisle there's a problem. <laughs> we have a whole segment of our of our nation who are starving, who don't have adequate food. And, and who's talking about it? And not just from the left, but even from the right. Who's focused on the issues that really are impacting people? Uh, this weekend, I finally went over a hundred plus dollars to fill up my gas tank. These are very real issues for a lot of Americans. And 
who exactly are talking is talking about the are talking about the issue that really matter to people. So that is what I was focused on when I jumped into the race and last year, 13 months ago, that is what I would continue to focus on between now and let's say the next two years, I would continue to focus on pushing these issues that matter to the overwhelming majority of Americans. A lot of us from afar, it looks like Philadelphia and perhaps the state of, but, but particularly Philadelphia, seems to be on fire with a lot of violence problems and crime problems. And we started today's show talking about uh, James Lambert and the seven young children that apparently participated in assaulting and killing him. And, I think a 10 and a 14 year old brother uh, turned themselves in and, and you know, just reading the news cycle this morning, uh, two men I think gunned down in South Philadelphia, 35 shots fired, another man stabbed and killed. What is going on in Philadelphia? Why does it seem so plagued by violent crime? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the answers to that are many. But let me just start off with Larry Krasner, for example. Uh, when Larry Krasner, before Larry Krasner came into office, he is our very progressive George Soros-backed district attorney in Philadelphia. Uh, before he came into office, uh, there are six county jails in Philadelphia. And before he came in, those jails were either at maximum capacity or above. And so max would be roughly 8,000. When he came in, and as of and as of December of last year, uh, we're now at five. I'm rounding up five thousand, right? So we went from a max capacity of eight thousand uh, people being at or being in jail to now five thousand. So do the math. That's about 3,000 people who otherwise would be behind bars who are not behind bars. They're out here on the street. And then we ask ourselves, why do we have all these criminals, all these hardened criminals out here on the street? It's because otherwise, on any other given Sunday, if we weren't being taken over by the Democrat platform, we would have 3,000 additional people instead of being on the street in our neighborhoods where they're able to uh, accost law abiding citizens, they would be in jail. And when you talk to Larry Krasner or read some of his reasonings behind it, his thought is, I tell you no lie, his thought is we want to reunify families. That's it. <laughs> He wants to get them out of jail so that they can be reunified with the family. Because according to him, uh, family structure is vitally important. And so he's going to start with these hardened criminals. Versus, for example, as you uh, talked about, these, um, you know, the seven very young black uh, boys and girls who uh, murdered a 73-year-old man who was just outside crossing the street, apparently. These kids were outside at 3 a.m. in the morning. A 10-year-old, a 14-year-old. I have a 13-year-old daughter, a 16-year-old son, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, I can assure you their father and I know exactly where they are. They are in bed uh, going into their next realm of sleep. And yet we have babies out here on the street 
murdering an innocent man. And apparently this same little pack of miscreants um, accosted a 52-year-old black woman just a month earlier. The same people she says she recognized uh, uh, members of this little pack. Um, from about a month ago, one of the girls walked up and asked her for a dollar. She said she didn't have any, and immediately they began to pick up stones and and um, and and start throwing them at her. And unfortunately for Mr. Lambert, he wasn't able to get away from them. That is the state of the world. And again, it is not by by osmosis. This it feels very intentional. Kathy, I, I want to, you mentioned Larry Krasner, and, and we've seen uh, prosecutors like him installed by George Soros around the country. I, I, we've been talking uh, about what happened in Philadelphia, and then we played some video, I don't know if you, in, in Minneapolis, kids, toddlers in diapers and attacking the police in Minneapolis. And, and it's led us, we had a, um, a guest on yesterday, a guy named Jerome Davison. He's running for Congress in Arizona. Kind of reminds me of yourself. He's the guy that did the campaign ad with the Democrats and KKK hoods. I don't know if you saw that viral video, uh, but but he kind of reminds me of yourself. He's you know fiery and unafraid. Uh, we had him on yesterday, and I want to play the clip of of what he said that basically that the left is a demonic force, a satanic force. I, do, I think we had that clip. Let's play that for Kathy, and then I want to get your reaction. I think we've got to stand up and fight against these people, the Democrats, because I believe that the evil one, the wicked one, Satan, has landed in their hearts, and we got to fight before they take away our freedoms. And so that sounds hyperbolic, but I actually believe it. I actually believe that the left is pushing demonic energy. When I look at, you know, we can't decide on what a woman is anymore. When I see people at protests fighting for the right to kill babies in the womb. Yeah. Uh, when I see uh, just the destruction of family, the destruction, God's natural order starts with the family, man, woman, and child, and we're destroying it. I actually, it's like, this, this feels spiritual, not political to me. Yeah, I do believe that there's a, a, a very spiritual um, aspect to it. I am a Christian. And you can go, and if for in any Christian who has read uh, the book of Daniels, you recognize in Daniels chapter 19 that there's a spiritual element to every aspect of our world. And so I do believe that. And it is truly my heart, my prayer, my fasting time, my meditation with the Lord that the eyes of this nation will begin to open up, but not are, but we're not the only ones who are saying this. Uh, back in 1776, one of our founding fathers and president, uh, John Adams, said our Constitution, and when you say Constitution, he means country, our Constitution is made only for a moral and religious 
people. It is wholly inadequate for any other kind. Moral, simply meaning people who know the difference between right and wrong. Religious, because how else do we find out what's right and wrong unless there's a moral law giver? Now, of course, the left will run around with their head on fire, running into glass pane windows when you say that. But again, we have to be unafraid. Truth exists. There is such a thing as right and wrong. And no, it's not fluid. And no, you just can't get to make it up. And when you look at these little babies, um, you know, and diapers out there, you know, it's one thing to see hardened criminals, or let's say someone who's 30 years old, who has lived their lives and have come to the conclusion that this is who I want to be. But when you look at toddlers out there on the street saying the things that they're saying and doing the things that they're doing, you know, right away that there are the that it is the adults in their lives who have taught these children that. And when I think about the education that these little children are getting, I think about what Senator Tim Scott said in his uh, remarks to um, uh, Biden's State of the Union address when he equated education as being the closest thing to magic we have in this country. And I look at my own life. I started off below the bottom rung of the economic ladder. I clawed my way from underneath a rock and it was education was a fundamental aspect of how I was able to create a different narrative for myself and for my children. It's one of the uh, the premises in my book, Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain, being black and conservative in America, is that I said, let's just take the black community as a petri dish and let's just look at what happens when Democrats come in and take absolute control of everything. They leave people broke, broken, and bruised. And I was sending out a clarion call to the rest of the nation that if we don't get our head out of the sand and put our head on a swivel and take these people seriously when they say they want to fundamentally change our nation, what we see in black communities are going to begin to spill out of those communities and begin to impact the rest of our our nation and tell me if I didn't lie. My book is reading like prophecy and I am not a prophet, but I'm very observant to what it is. It's not white racism that we're dealing with in our country, as Lyndon B. Johnson uh, report said back in uh, the late 1960s, but it's Democrat racism. And it's not just Democrat. You know, if you look, if you if you analyze those last five days of my race, it's not just Democrats that we're fighting against. There are a lot of people who have an R next to their name, and they purport to be conservatives who are anything but. We really do have what some call a uniparty. It's them versus the rest of us. And it's all about control and power. And if you're not a part of that elite group, oh well. <laughs> mm. Kathy, if you could, uh, just for my audience that's not a aware of your backstory, if you could go over some of the highlights or of your own personal narrative. I know your mother was very young, uh, thought about, or there were, you know, you could have been aborted. Uh, you, you, I think you went into the Marines or the military at some point. If you could yeah. walk us through a little bit of your background and, and so people can understand why you immediately caught my attention. 
Yeah, well, I mean, let me just start with how I was conceived. Um, as some know, a lot of people know now, is that I am the product of rape. My mother was 11 years old when I was conceived. My father was 21. And I am completely unapologetic that my family looked at my life and saw value for me. I tell, I've told my story many times. And I can't help but to get a little emotional when I tell it because it's my story. I had nothing to do with how I was conceived. I took no part in how I came about, and yet there I was, and I am a human today. Most will not um, refute that, but guess what? I was a human then, and I'm so very grateful that there were adults in the room who came around my very young mother and saw value in me. And this is in the very deep South. I grew up on a pig farm in Southern Alabama. I grew up in a home with no insulation, no running water, an outhouse in the back and a well on the side. And yet I remember my grandparents waking up very early, going to bed very late. I remember them, um, I remember my grandfather taking a hog and he would have it slaughtered. And I would sit in the front um, in, in the front cab of the truck and I would ride with my grandfather as he went from home to home sharing a portion of our wealth. <laughs> so I saw my family working very hard. I saw them taking care of not only their own family but their community and I don't recall one time anyone ever looking at me and calling me a victim. Now they had a lot of, if they wanted to decry victimhood, they could have, but I don't recall one time anyone ever looking at me and saying, Kathy, you're black, you're a woman, you're poor, all the odds are against you. And I think about that because as I said earlier, I have a 13 year old daughter and a 16 year old son and they get a healthy dose of victimology if I allow the left and, um, and you know, the very woke area where I live in to, to educate my children. And yet, I mean, I don't recall one time anyone ever telling me I'm a victim. And as a result, I became the first in my family to go and finish college. I spent 10 years in the military where I was accepted into officer candidate school. I spent time in the financial industry, corporate America, adjunct professor of corporate finance, authored my first book that went number one on Amazon. Um, so many different journeys in between. And then this year, I just finished a very competitive U.S. Senate seat. Well, we were about to win until our side of the political aisle pulled out their long knives and came running after me. But um, we got almost a third of the vote and I did it with less than $2 million. I did it better because I'm smarter than the other side and I did it far cheaper than they did it. Um, and all and I say my story um, because I want people to remember why this is the greatest nation on earth, only in America. Do you hear my story time and time and time again? What we accomplished, we had over 330,000 Pennsylvanians came out and voted for me. They defied the smear campaign. They defied the establishment. They defied Donald Trump himself and came out and voted for me anyway. 
And so I look at that. So although it may have started off with my story and what I did, I look at what these people did and I recognize that it's not just about me. I could not have done what I did if it wasn't for the good people of Pennsylvania and so many across the nation that came alongside me. That's our country. And that is the very opposite of what so many who would try to tell us that this is the racist nation ever, that this is an evil country, or that we need to reimagine our country. And yet when you ask them, what are you going to replace it with? They're like, well, we don't know yet. We need to fight <laughs> because only in America does a little black girl from underneath the rock have the opportunity to come within five points of winning a highly competitive um, a U.S. Senate seat. Our country did that, and I'm willing to fight for her. Kathy, you've made reference to it twice. I want to give you a chance to elaborate. What did the Republican establishment do to you in the last five days? Well, y'all saw Sean Hannity <laughs> and the rest of them <laughs> lying on me. <laughs> they lied. <laughs> That's what they did. You know, um, you know, again, right? So I'm running against people, uh, my other two primary opponents. They spent over $60 million. <laughs> I spent less than $2 million. <laughs> I had three full-time people on my team and a whole lot of volunteers, grassroots volunteers all across the state. And we were working. I mean, we were, um, I was on the campaign trail for 13 months. I was doing over 1,500 miles every single week, beating the pavement, understanding who the people were. And long before that last week of the campaign, I was in a statistical tie for first place for over four weeks. So it was over five weeks where I was in a, in a three-way statistical tie for first place. How does that happen? Except for the people wanted change and they saw that I'm not plastic, I am real, I am authentic, and they wanted that, right? And so then you look at our side, I can't even say CNN or, politi or Politico, it was, it was members within Fox News that Sean Hannity, let me just call it out and be real specific, Greg Kelly from Newsmax and others who, um, I mean, it was just ridiculous. They were telling people I was a member of Black Lives Matter. They were telling people they took splices um, uh, with the uh, videos that I've done. And they literally, they literally cut out words. It wasn't even whole sentences. They would just cut out words, put it together and put it out there. Some would call that slanderous. <laughs> Some would call that libel <laughs> because they know it was false, especially since I had been on Sean Hannity's show over seven different times during this race. And I had probably been at Fox News two to three times a week over the first four years of Donald Trump's presidency. So these people know that I wasn't a part of Black Lives Matter. I have a very long history of speaking out against Black Lives Matter and um, Antifa and white and, and Democrats and all of this foolishness and, and defund the police. So they knew that. And yet they uh, told lies. And unfortunately, it was able to sway about 5% of our voting bloc. One of the things I saw is like they tried to like question the authenticity of your support of America first and, and Donald Trump. And, and then it's like, someone eventually dropped the receipts like, well, well Kathy was at January 6th. <laughs> how are we going to question her bona fides 
because there's a lot of people that like say they 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 bout it, but they're not really bout it. And that's what I love about you. And I just want to do whatever I can to keep you out there because I think your voice is important, your authenticity is important, your family, from your mother to your husband to your kids, very important. Uh, what you represent is very important. And I, I just I think you, Jerome Davison. Uh, I'm just hoping we can wake black people up that the America First agenda is really our agenda. The, the yeah. globalist agenda and the elites, it just does not serve us. Uh, and, and that's what I think you represent. And I just want to do whatever I can to keep your name out there and keep the momentum going. Thank you so much. Let me just say, uh, there is an appetite within the black community. Uh, although I was in a Republican primary, I spent a lot of time in the black community because I wanted to show my team and I wanted to show those who are looking that it's not, I mean, we have the better story in the Republican Party, I believe. I believe we have the better message. I think one of our primary issues is that we just keep picking people who suck at telling our story. So if we start picking better people who can go into these various communities and tell our story, we will win people over. But when you're dealing with a, you know, the Republican elites, the influencers, not all of them, but, you know, but there's a cabal, there's an elitist group within the Republican Party, and it's not about winning for them. It's about control. And they're desperately trying to get back to pre-2016, because although they were on the losing side, they were in control. And they feel very nervous when you have uh, the people people, the grassroots. And that's what I showed with with the shoestring of a budget. We were about to win. <laughs> and they had to come out and not only just spend a tremendous amount of money, they had to sell their soul and their integrity in order to make sure that a little a little old black girl from Alabama <laughs> did not win. And so um, I hope that's very encouraging to the people because we did not get bl uh, blown out of the waters. Uh, I lost by roughly 5%. We could have won. Um, but they knew what they were doing. And so we just have to, you know, remain focused on that and continue to push forward. But there's an appetite within the black community. I would walk in, I would spend 30 minutes talking to them. The next 30 minutes, I would change every single voter, every single one of their voter registration from Democrat to Republican. I got all the receipts out there on Facebook and Twitter because everywhere I went, whether it was the Hindu community, the Amish community, I was in Chinatown. I was everywhere. Democrats uh, claim they have territory. And I was walking right into the uh, lion's den and taking those votes because people want change. Kathy, thank you so much for taking the time. I hope that uh, you'll be willing to come back because we'd love to have you back. Your voice is important. Absolutely. Thank you so right. much. Thank you. All right, that's Kathy Barnett. Let me take care of a little business. Uh, goodbye, night sweats. Hello, summer. Hotter weather used to mean goodbye to a good night's sleep until I discovered Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth bedding is so soft, luxurious, and best of all, temperature regulating I'm sleeping better than I have in years. Cozy Earth sheets are made from the finest luxury materials, including our highly sustainable and ethically produced bamboo called viscose. They are temperature regulating, 
so you sleep cool and comfy year-round. Cozy Earth is so confident you'll absolutely love their products, they'll even let you try them for 100 nights risk-free. For a limited time, save 35% on Cozy Earth's truly awesome bedding. Go to CozyEarth.com, that's C-O-Z-Y Earth.com backslash fearless and enter my special promo code fearless at checkout to save 35% now. All backed by a 100 night trial. That's CozyEarth.com slash fearless and be sure to enter fearless at checkout for 35% off. Guys, this is a new sponsor. I need you all in the fearless arm army to jump on board. These guys have reached out and supported us. We need to reach out and support them. Be a good fearless soldier. You're looking for ways to push back, to get involved. This is simple. We all love to sleep. We all need new sheets. We all know it's hot right now during the summer. Cozy Earth. C-O-Z-Y earth.com backslash fearless. Use my promo code fearless. I need the fearless soldiers to hop on board with Cozy Earth. All right, TJ and I will be right back. X. All right, welcome back. Show Me Kid is still with me here in studio. Uh, and we're going to talk about, you know, I don't know if I've ever done a specific Joe Biden topic. I said yesterday on the show that we may have to talk about uh, Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. And, you know, I, I said that yesterday because, you know, these rumors and gossip and everything is, is going crazy about Hunter and his leaked laptop and 4chan and all this information hooked, uh, leaking out. And, and then last night, uh, I'm watching Tucker Carlson as I'd love to watch Tucker's uh, opening monologues. And I had uh, texted one of uh, Tucker's producers yesterday saying, now y'all are gonna talk about Hunter Biden tonight because if you are, I'm, I'm gonna throw a watch party. <laughs> and uh, Tucker did a really big picture analysis. He didn't go down in the weeds with, you know, Hunter Biden and crack cocaine and prostitutes and, uh, you know, Hunter allegedly uh, listing his dad, Joe, as uh, pedo Peter. And he, he didn't deal with any of that. He went much big picture about Joe and how his relationship with China is compromised. Anyway, let's play an excerpt from uh, Tucker last night, and then I want to engage with uh, TJ about Joe, Hunter, and China. The coronavirus reshuffled the global order. It crushed the American economy. It made China preeminent. If China takes over the world, and that appears to be coming, COVID will be one of the main reasons it was able to. So by definition, you would think we would want to know where COVID came from. That's a meaningful question. But Joe Biden doesn't want to know. He ignored the report he ordered. He ignored the findings of his own intelligence agencies. That's bizarre when you think about it. And if you think that's weird, how about this? This February, Biden canceled a counter espionage program called the China Initiative. Now, the point of that program was stopping the rampant threat of our national security secrets by the government of China. But the White House decided to very little fanfare that somehow that program was racist and therefore it had to end. 
That means the Chinese government can now spy and steal with impunity. Not since Franklin Roosevelt colluded with Joseph Stalin has an American president done anything like that. But Joe Biden didn't hesitate. And then he kept doing things like this. Now Biden says he plans to end tariffs against China, tariffs that Donald Trump put in place and that China has been complaining about ever since. And not only is Joe Biden ending tariffs against China, Joe Biden's Justice Department has just arrested the man responsible for those tariffs. His name is Peter Navarro. He was the most effective China hawk in the Trump administration. Last month, Peter Navarro was handcuffed at a Washington, D.C. airport and dragged to jail in leg irons. Why? Supposedly because of January 6th. But Peter Navarro had literally nothing to do with January 6th. He wasn't even there. But Joe Biden didn't stop there. Steve Bannon was the other notable voice in the Trump administration, warning about the growing power and malicious intent of the Chinese government. In November of last year, Steve Bannon was also arrested by the Biden Justice Department, also on absurd pretexts. So take a step back. What's the message here? Well, it's unmistakable. Don't criticize the Chinese government or we will throw you in jail. Now, if you happen to be watching all of this from Beijing, as Chinese leaders definitely have been, you would be applauding. Mm. I don't, did you get to see that whole thing? Mm. Yeah, I, I watched the last and because he goes on to talk about how much money Hunter and I think Jimmy Biden, Biden's brother and Joe Biden, how much profit and money they were getting from their Chinese connections and relationships. And he, he basically uh, framed it up like, OK, we sat for four years during the Trump administration and we kept hearing all this Russia, 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 puppet for Russia, 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 Donald Trump. And now all that same media, despite all this overwhelming evidence, much of it coming out of Hunter's own laptop, that China, 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 and, and the connection between them and the Bidens, is that dictating our behavior towards China and our tolerance of China and our uh, reaction to the coronavirus and everything else. But that same media is now completely ignoring that. That seems to be the real story where the Russia thing has been proven to be completely false. And, and there's a million things that went through my head watching that last night. But, but the number one thing is, did you ever watch, and maybe I'll come up, I, I love making all these analogies uh, for fire starters that are related to pop culture and movies and TVs. Did you ever watch Homeland? Yeah. Showtime? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I forget the woman's name that was the lead. Blonde girl. Cla Claire, Claire something. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, it, it just, it puts me in the mindset that Obviously, our security state, the FBI, Claire Danes. Claire Danes. Uh, the, the FBI, CIA, uh, is in charge and maybe doesn't have our best interest. And, and, you know, the security state is comfortable with China being in control. I, I just don't understand how this, why I had to wait for Tucker Carlson at the end of the day for someone to go big picture and really get into this. Seems like the entire media should be talking about this. Agreed. Um, you could have worked backwards. I don't think Tucker had to, he's pretty smart, but you could have looked at some of the things he talked about 
refusing to look at the origin of, of the coronavirus, why would you not at least try to figure it out, right? It was, it was racist. We've, we've, for all of time, named things after where they came from, but as soon as it's from China, you can't do that anymore. Red flag, okay. Why, we just found this out recently, did we send 950,000 uh, barrels of our crude oil from our emergency reserve over to China? And that's tied with the Hunter Biden, uh, one of his companies that he helped over there. So, you know, the, the type of things that we're seeing Biden do, you'd say, what, where is the connection and why are, we, why are we getting rid of the tariffs when there was such an unbelievable uh, difference and disparity in the trades under Trump that he put something up and, and began to change things for American farmers and things like that. Why? So you start to look backwards and, I mean, the obvious reason why you didn't do this during the election is because you needed to get Donald Trump out of office, right? And so now why they're not doing it today, that's, that's for somebody smarter than me to figure out. That my big thought watching the whole Tucker Carlson mono was, put together a lot of great points, but this is why, you know, Trump talks about our election integrity and uh, the 2000 Mules documentary, great, all that stuff was good. It's big tech. Big tech is everything. The New York Post had this Hunter Biden laptop and broke this story before the election. We had it. And the New York Post was suspended for a month, their entire account. And anybody who posted the story was suspended until the election was over. Facebook allowed it to go on and suppressed any impressions. So you could post it to yourself. It was all big tech, which gave cover to the New York Times and to MSNBC and everybody else to not actually run the stories, right? If it's not going around on social media and people aren't wondering about it, then you don't have to cover it yourself. Well, they conducted a poll after the, just a few days after, media research company, where 17% of Biden voters, had they known about the, the Hunter Biden laptop, would have changed their vote. It would have swung the election. So the fact that all of these things are up and we have this information, it would have changed the outcome of the election. And so, you know, I, I get it. Trump is the only one still dug in. It seems like a lot of Republicans and people have moved on and say, well, forget the 2020 election. Well, that's fine, but you better figure out how to do something with big tech because Elon is out of Twitter, at least for now. So who's going to take over and allow people to get this information out? Is it only going to be Tucker Carlson and Jason Whitlock talking about the things that matter that actually swing elections? I, I big tech is definitely the problem and it's why i've been talking about that for the last eight or nine years like silicon valley northern california san francisco is the enemy of america i i've, I've stated that but then and and so i think it's 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 two things big tech silicon valley is the enemy they've been bought and paid for by China and China's figuring out that, you know, why go to war with America when we just cut checks to get what we want done. But their number one tool, and this is what I, I love where Tucker went, is racism. That's that anything that they don't want talked about, just call it racist. And and it, again, you can't now you can't discuss it. And so the coronavirus. Well, if you say it's from China, you say it's from Wuhan, that's racist. That's the cut. Well, don't do that. Don't blame China. That's racist. If if you want to talk about virtually any, if you want to talk about the things we've been talking about today on this show, if a white person 
hosted a show and said, hey, uh, seven black kids chased down a 73-year-old black man and killed him in the inner city, and these guys think the police is the problem? If a white guy hosted it, because that's basically what I've been saying is today, but if a white guy did that, they would be called racist and therefore shut down and who, whatever company that he worked for would have to discipline him or threaten him or take him off the air because, oh my God, he was called racist. And so it, it's, and look, it, 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 I tried to, early on, as a black person, I tried to expose the fraudulence of Colin Kaepernick and his anti-American sentiment. And I tried to expose him as the idiot that he is through, I was trying to mock him when I was at Fox Sports. And the whole system, me as a black man, I couldn't crack a joke on uh, Colin Kaepernick. That whole thing got shut down. Forces within side Fox Sports, there's some woman, Terry Hines or whatever, it was head of public relations or whatever. She, she was all, had all the executives upset because some idiot from Black Sports Online had called questioning, how can Jason Whitlock make fun of, and this was somehow, and it, you know, I was a racist, I was a sellout. And so big tech is the tool, and they use big tech to drum up, and, uh, and again, it's like the whole argument that Elon Musk is having with Twitter about, show me the bots, show me yeah. how many people are actually real here, because it, it's always been my argument that much of what you see over Twitter is fraudulent and fake. The, the lynch mobs that come after you and they create this storm and scare exact, oh my God, everybody hates Jason Whitlock. He said Colin Kaepernick's an idiot. And that's scary, oh my God. And so some executive hides under his desk and says, well, we gotta shut Whitlock down and you know get him to pipe down on Colin Kaepernick or we gotta put people around him that will defend Colin Kaepernick. We gotta make it sound like there's a debate about whether Colin Kaepernick is an idiot. There's no debate. Colin Kaepernick is an idiot. There's no debate. Look, again, we, we have this debate like LeBron James is smart. LeBron James tweeted out or said something today about uh, Brittany Griner uh, should consider not coming back to America when she's released from a Russian prison. LeBron, I'm, LeBron James is a tremendous basketball player, but he's an idiot. Mm. There's no, it's not up for debate. Anybody that reads his IG or Twitter, listens to him talk, he can't conjugate subject and verbs, he can't speak properly, much of what he says is idiotic. He's a great basketball player. He's a dumb jock. And I'm, if I was blessed with his physical talent, I would be a dumb jock too, because there's so much more money in the way society has set up in him developing his physical gifts than his intellectual ability that he did the right thing. He developed his physical gifts. But we don't have to play a game like LeBron James isn't a flaming idiot. But you say that, and again, I can say it because I'm black. If Laura Ingram says it, she's racist. But the facts are the facts. Mm -hmm. The guy is sitting, this woman is sitting in prison in Russia. What Russia, nobody in America put her in prison. She's, and she shouldn't come back. We're acting like America is the problem.
not <laughs> Russia. That they got some rigged up court system where they can sit her and she don't see, can't get bail on a little hashes deal. Yeah. But that's America, and she shouldn't come back here because this idiot says so. So again, I'm I'm off on a tangent or, or several tangents, but big tech. And, and the fact that, you know, again, LeBron's probably got 100 million social media followers. People were following, hanging on LeBron James's words like there's some, like he's Mark Twain or, you know, Richard Wright or, I don't know, Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is an idiot that everybody's hanging on, oh, what's he going to tweet next? <laughs> Can I? <clears throat> Here was my second thought, yeah. listening to Tucker, that America uh, twice during his tenure impeached Donald Trump. And I am not for these random impeachments. It's like every time you, you don't like somebody, if you get enough votes, just impeach the guy, we'll get him out of office, doesn't matter if he did anything wrong. So I was even against impeachment for Joe being the worst president of all time, which he is, and it's only taken him a year and a half to do that. But. At this point, if America was taking itself seriously, don't you think with how compromised Hunter Biden is, in bed with Ukraine where he got $3 million and Joe made sure the prosecutor of the country, basically, was replaced so that he wouldn't investigate when that was uncovered. That's out there, Joe brags about it. That, along with what we're seeing in China today, we know he's in bed with China. Even if Joe didn't do anything, which I don't believe that, wouldn't America, if it took itself seriously, be impeaching Joe Biden just to protect itself from whatever ramifications and leverage that China obviously has? You would think. You, you would think. But again, it's, all, it's hard for Joe Biden is just a prop for the people really running things. And they wanted someone compromised. Mm -hmm. And... Again, again, we we went through this. Oh, Russia got Trump elected. Russia got China, got Biden elected. Yes. That is obvious, and uh, he's doing their bidding. And again, he's made a lot of money. He's like a lot of these politicians, both left and right, that have become millionaires through politics by selling out America. This is what uh, uh, Royce White talks. There's no sacred honor. There's no, there's, there's nothing that these, any of us, many of us, uh, many Americans won't do for money. They'll, you know, bend over and take 10 dildos up the rear end, uh, sell us out to China. Uh, you know, Macy Gray will say one day a woman is a woman and the next day it's just a vibe. Uh, there's nothing we won't do for money. There is no sacred honor. Money is our number one idol. It is at the root of all this evil and wickedness. And Joe Biden is right in there with them. And, and we can see it. And, and look, I, many people, uh, well, so is Trump. So uh, Trump was a billionaire before he got into politics. And I, I, I don't even want to offer up some major defense of Trump because he's not in need of one. Everybody can see the chaos and madness that America has descended into in just short, uh, 18 short months. And the little sideshow, January 6th, 
committee hearings we're doing, all these little distractions that we keep doing. And again, the whole January 6th thing, it's based on racism. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, that's the fig leaf. Oh my God, someone yelled uh, slurs at the Capitol Police. There's, first, there's no proof of it, but even if it did, you know, I mean? police get called names every day of the week. Mm -hmm. We just saw little toddlers in diapers yelling at the police. Uh, if some people yell some things on January 6th, I don't care. As much as we saw during the whole Black Lives Matter thing, white people, black people, in people in police officers' faces yelling all kinds of things, Uncle Tom sellout, the N-word, all that kind of stuff. And, but on January 6th, now it's a special day. There's no proof of it. We just got to take these lying police officers' word uh, that it happened. But again, we, we, a bunch of white people went to go confront a bunch of white politicians and somehow the media has framed it as a racial conflict. Mm -hmm. But that's the, that social media sells it. They, and again, that's why this whole show, everything we've been talking about today, and the, the entirety of this show is trying to wake you up to the racial game that's being played on you. That they scream race and make you think everything is a racial issue because they want to distract you from what's really going on. Joe Biden, the Democratic Party, sold out globalists, Republicans as well, establishment Republicans. You just heard it from Kathy Barnett. Establishment Republicans sold out American citizens. They're giving in to China. They're shorting America and you. And I don't blame people for being irate about it and wanting to go to the Capitol and get in people's faces about it. They weren't there to kill anybody. Those zip ties, they weren't gonna hang Mike Pence. That's all a lie and BS. They just wanted to show up and say, hey, you know what? And get in their faces. Because that's what needed to happen. And if that makes me a sellout or unpatriotic or whatever, screw you. Because I'm looking at the real unpatriotic people. Joe Biden's got million-dollar uh, puppet strings on him from China. Uh, let's get to our approval rating of Joe Biden. I'm almost embarrassed that I, about my approval rating because I already... Anyway, let's go to Joe Biden and the <laughs> approval rating. Can't believe I gave this dude any points. Job performance, I got him at a two. Uh, and I gave him a two this morning just so I was like, well, I kind of agree with my brother. He's better than Kamala. Hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I did not give him any points. His yeah. approval rating is lower than Donald Trump's at this point, and that was with the entire media, media. Yeah. trying to crush him. He, in the most recent New York Times poll, is 27 points underwater. He's the first president I'm aware of that even his own party has discarded him a year and a half into his presidency. They've got two and a half years to figure out who's going to run next because they're already done with him. I don't mm. think you can do it much worse than this. Uh, character, I gave him a one. I don't know why, just because I didn't want to give him a zero. Uh, the guy has no character. He's probably a pedophile. I'm sorry. He's got pedophile tendencies. <laughs> I'll just say that. I went negative here. Has anybody gone negative on the show before? No. Right. no negative no. five. Steve Kim's probably very jealous right now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I used a round number, too. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, Listen, he has tried to destroy one of the best men in America today, Clarence Thomas, with the Anita Hill hearings. He led that himself. Uh, he said of Obama, talk about it. 
we talk about racism all the time. He's an actual racist. It, when Obama was elected, he said, I mean, you got to be the first mainstream African-American who's articulate and bright and clean and nice looking. Those words came out of Joe Biden's mouth. Um, let's see. He uh, right now is trying to get the Hyde Amendment overturned, which means that they can use religious taxpayer money for abortions, public abortions. Um, he just passed an executive order to try to keep abortion legal in every state. So that's not going to work. Oh, and he uh, eulogized Strom Thurmond, one of the most racist people in the history of Congress. So you go down the list here. Uh, his character, I just, I couldn't give him any points. I thought we should, if I were going to give him points elsewhere, I needed to take it away in this category. So I will go with my negative five. Uh, authenticity. I gave him a four. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I can't justify it, but I gave him a four. The Washington Post has a two-minute video. I went with negative five again. Uh, the Washington Post has a two-minute video. So if the Washington Post is posting something about you negatively as a Democrat, you know you're really, really terrible. They posted this in 2019. It was about his 1988 presidential bid where uh, Biden, as a candidate, plagiarized three different times portions of speeches by uh, John F. Kennedy, Senator Robert F. Kennedy, and the British Labor Party leader, Neil Kinnock. And that outed him out of the race. So not only is he not himself, he's trying to be other people in hopes that their success will lead him to his own success. Uh, so for authenticity, he gets negative five. Uh, it factor, I gave him a one for no reason. <laughs> just, just trying to, I don't, I can't stand Joe Biden. He's probably a pedophile. Yes, uh, I gave him a zero. No character, no authenticity. The worst president in United States history. Sold America out for some Chinese money. Uh, he might be a pedophile. And he's raised kids that are all in rehab. So I don't know how much worse you can do it than what we're seeing here. If, if you have ever uh, watched one of those videos where he's smelling the hair of little children and rubbing the backs of... His daughter wrote in a diary that he took showers with her. Yes. Inappropriately. His yes. daughter wrote that in a diary. His son calls him Pedo Peter. In a form. I mean, seriously. He's his son. He's one of the worst men in America. I'm telling you, my minus ten is my final score. I mine, I gave him an eight. Is this your lowest score ever? It. I think it is, and I should not feel ashamed that I did not go lower. <laughs> uh, well, that's it, and that's all. Play tomorrow. I'm depressed talking about Joe Biden. He's probably a pedophile. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back. For freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all receiving We all want to be free We want freedom